morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, August 18th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. As Michelle Obama kicks off the DNC, Mike Allen takes us behind the curtain of what real-life conventions were really like. Plus, today marks the 100th anniversary of the ratification of women's right to vote. But first, the record-breaking West Coast heat wave is today's one big thing. The West Coast is experiencing intense heat waves right now. Temperatures in California's Death Valley yesterday hit 130 degrees Fahrenheit, which, if that holds, would be Earth's hottest recorded temperature in almost a century and maybe the hottest ever on record. And in the middle of a pandemic, this is highlighting a whole new set of problems, including how to store newer, greener forms of energy. A lot of these worst case scenarios are really playing out in California. And so that's where you're seeing the debate about these prolonged heat waves, like what we're seeing in Death Valley, but really across the state. And also the first rolling blackouts that the state has had to impose in almost 20 years. Amy Harder is an energy reporter for Axios. She lives on the West Coast and has been experiencing this heat wave firsthand. In California, they're imposing rolling blackouts to avoid a complete shutdown of the entire system. That's because of our first problem, the unprecedented demand from everyone in quarantine. Power often spikes around five o'clock in the afternoon when people are getting home from work. And that's when people turn on their air conditioners. But now so many people are working from home, such as myself. I'm in my apartment with my portable rental AC unit and I want mine on all day. And I don't think I'm unique at all in that respect. So you're having greater electricity demand among households at a time when electricity officials in California, where these blackouts are having to happen, they're saying that demand demand is exceeding the supply of energy. The second problem may not sound like much of a problem at first. Compared to the rest of the country, California is by far the greenest. It has about 33% more wind and solar energy than other states. California has been a leader in so many things when it comes to climate change policy. Yes, but as the state shuts off its nuclear power and natural gas plants, it's losing a steady stream of energy that wind and solar cannot replace right now. You see some challenges that California is facing in terms of if you don't thoughtfully ensure that you have enough backup power for the dead of the summer at 5 p.m. when the sun is going down and solar power is dwindling, what can you tap into to make sure you have power? And that's one of the lessons that can come from these rolling blackouts. And that leads us to our third and biggest problem. These new sources of energy are feeding into an aging electrical grid system. There needs to be real concerted effort to make sure that the power system itself, along with the energy sources, are going to be working together to ensure that there are not blackouts. And so I think you can't point to one problem or not to say this is what's causing these blackouts. It's a combination of, of factors. The big picture is that the heat wave and resulting blackouts aren't just happening because of the pandemic or an aging electrical system, but because of our global climate change crisis. I often say that climate change is like diabetes for the planet. It doesn't create weather conditions that didn't necessarily exist before, but it makes everything worse. So it makes heat waves worse. It makes rainy seasons worse. And so right now we're experiencing a really bad heat wave, and that's in line with what scientists say will happen as the Earth continues to warm. Amy Harder covers energy for Axios. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with an inside look into the Democratic National Convention with Mike Allen. Welcome back to Axios Today. On the first night of the Democratic National Convention, last night, former First Lady Michelle Obama took the spotlight. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. So if you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse. Trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. It was an impassioned plea in such a different moment than if it had been delivered on a big convention floor. If this had been in person, everyone who was at the convention would also have been clamoring for a ticket to get to that floor. Axios co-founder Mike Allen knows all of this very well. He has attended many conventions, 12 to be precise. Mike, how is this year different? Well, good morning, Nyla. And I was talking to our White House editor, Margaret Talov, who's very familiar to Axios Today listeners. And she said, well, no line for the ladies' room tonight. And that's the thing about political conventions in normal times. They're very human. It's actual people in a world where we're used to money and ads and spin It's like a giant reunion. So we used to have this big circus, parties and demonstrators, cops on horses, vendors and bars and souvenirs and funny hats. And they all surrounded a TV show, basically. That's what happened in the hall. Now, Nyla, all we have is the TV show. I wonder how we're going to see this happen at this convention, because you can't do any of that. That's right. And that's my one serious tip for our Axios Today listeners, Nyla. Pay attention to the actual live speakers of both conventions. You can go uh, get a beer or a snack during the videos, but watch the people because they're often people who later are going to run our world. And in the case of Joe Biden, if he wins, this is basically our future government on parade over the next few nights. Mike Allen, veteran of many political conventions, giving us some good advice for this one. Thanks, Mike. Well, and now I've got one story to go to surprise you. So, One of the convention traditions is the CNN Grill. CNN sponsors this big pub where everyone at the end of the night can catch up. So this year, CNN got the home address of all their regulars. And the other day, I opened my back door and I had a big box that said, hot off the CNN Grill. And you opened it up. It was a virtual grill with coasters and mixed nuts and cheese straws and a 32-ounce bottle of Tabasco Bloody Mary Mix. So, Nyla, that'll give you a sense of how I'm going to be watching the couch convention. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Nyla, have the best convention. We couldn't leave today without acknowledging an important anniversary. On this day 100 years ago, the 19th Amendment was finally ratified. But even after women received this right to vote, the struggle wasn't over, especially for disenfranchised Black women who were still subject to Jim Crow laws, poll taxes, and lynchings. Women's fight for the vote was the longest political and social movement in American history. So why isn't the story of women's suffrage 
more widely taught or known. Dr. Carla Hayden is both the first woman and African-American to be named the Librarian of Congress. And this month, she's working especially on teaching that history. Here's one fact. Few early supporters actually survived to see the ratification because their fight took more than 70 years. You can learn more at womensvote100.org. That does it for us today. You can reach your team at podcasts at axios.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. And we'd also love it if you'd share the show with someone you think might appreciate it. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.